Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five-star review That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. My guest this week is E.A. Sokovitz. E.A. was born in 1956 in Chicago. His humble beginnings were that of a son of a milkman. At age 16, he started his business career at a commission sales job selling janitorial services to business owners. At age 19, EA met Sam Robbins, a millionaire businessman from Detroit. Sam took EA under his wing and began to mentor him. At the age of 23, EA became a millionaire. Hi, EA. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to being able to share, hopefully, some great golden nuggets with your listeners, and uh, thank you for having me on your great show. Well, thank you for being on. I think you're going to be able to share a lot of nuggets. Um, We were talking in in the pre-show, in the green room, if you will, and we were both born in Chicago. I was born and raised there. I don't know if you still reside there, Um, but you have um, a great story to tell about your life. I mean, you grew up just as I did from humble beginnings, but your life has taken a journey along the way. How I like to start off the show is I always ask my guests to tell the listeners, who you are, and what made you the EA that you are today? Well, I'm the founder and patriarch of Givers University, and uh, all of that came about because of a vow and an oath that I made at the ripe old age of 19 years old that I look forward to being able to share with your listeners. Wow. So why don't we just go into that? Because, I mean, you're very accomplished now. You're an author. You're a successful um, businessman. But that had to start somewhere and, and no one starts at the top, right? We, we all have a journey. And like what I love to say is people, you know, they, they see your glory, but they don't know your story. So tell us your story. I like it. That that's a great reference. I, that's an excellent way of putting it. I've never heard that before. And I loved it. Thank you. Um, well, actually, you know, like you said, we were, I was born in Chicago as well. And uh, as yourself and uh, I'm 65 years old. So when I was a youngster, and I mean youngster, like five years old, my father was a milkman. And uh, back in Chicago, they, I mean, they had milkmen, you know, and they delivered the milk and uh, to the neighborhoods and, and every house had outside of it, this thing called the milkman's box. And you know what was amazing? There was always money in the milkman box and no one ever touched it. Not one time did anyone ever touch the milkman. That was milkman money, right? Wow. So my father had, he was a one-man operation for this company called Twin Oaks Dairy. And back then, you know, milk came in glass containers. Uh, You know, I I think they switched to the plastic ones because of how many I broke. But anyway, (laughs) it was a whole nother story. But so at five years old, it helped my father. and, and, And I think the first little inkling I had on you know, sort of it's up to us kind of thing was my father had this thing he used to say, and he'd get up at three in the morning and he'd break up the ice on these big six foot big sheets because back then the milkmen, their trucks were not refrigerated. You know, you had to cut up the ice and put it in the truck. Only the big 18 wheelers were refrigerated trucks. So every morning at three in the morning, he's breaking up this ice and putting it on top of the milk. And then we went delivering. And he always said the same thing on every time I worked with him, he always said, well, when we're done, we're done. And his point was, the sooner we get on with whatever we need to get done, which in that instance was about, then I could do whatever I wanted to the rest of the day. So let's get on with it. Let's get it done. And then I'll have more of the day to do whatever I want. So that was sort of, I guess, my first little touch of, you know, the importance of being a self-starter. I watched my father. He didn't work for anyone per se, you know, had his own route, you know, had his own little you know route book he kept and pretty much one man operation other than when I was with him. 
So at the ripe old age of 16, I took my first big step into becoming a success and I became a janitor. Now, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Anyway, so the so here I was at 16 years. <laughs> no, I always laugh twice. The first time when I tell it and the second time when I tell the other person I actually said something funny because they, you know, because you didn't, I'm the only one laughing. Anyway, so the... <laughs> <laughs> the uh someone said a long time ago, I said, do you, do you ever like tell a joke and had no one laugh? And I said, yes. And I swore from that point onward, I always laugh at my own joke. So at least one person was laughing. But anyway, so I digress. So at 16 years old, I became a janitor and two extraordinary events happened that were life altering events when I was 16. First was at that age, I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So if my buffer while I was buffing some floors, a janitor hit some piece of equipment, the insurance company would pay for it. It also allowed me to be in expensive places and expensive homes. And there was a home I cleaned every single Wednesday. And uh, the, the name of the person won't mean anything to many of your listeners until I make the movie reference. The name of the lady whose house I cleaned every single Wednesday was June Martino. And she and I was born and raised in the Oak Brook area. It's a suburb of Chicago. And, uh, you know, there's a mall there and that was the world headquarters for the McDonald's uh, for decades and decades. And and I witnessed the whole McDonald's phenomenon during my lifetime. And uh, and June Martino lived in Ginger Creek, which was basically a part of Oak Brook, you know, real expensive, you know, million dollar homes, that kind of thing. And now to the reference for your listeners to know who June Martino was. If you've seen the movie that was out a couple of years ago, it's still on streaming now, probably will be for some time because it's a pretty good view. It's called The Founder. It's uh, about McDonald's and uh, it, it basically is about Ray Kroc. And I can tell you personally, because I witnessed the whole phenomenon in my life, you know, that movie is Hollywood spin all the way through, uh, you know, and in the very beginning it says based on a true story. And that's true. It is based on a true story, but that isn't the story. <laughs> You know, Hollywood's going to make drama the way it does. Right. right. But uh, but and it's about Ray Kroc and McDonald's and from the very beginning. And then through the movie, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. He's talking to this lady outside his office and he says, June, this June, this that lady who's in the entire movie is June Martino, whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So the, the lady that's outside Ray Kroc's office, she worked for Ray before he even met the McDonald's brothers. And so here I am, when I met her, I was 16 and she already had the third most controlling stock at McDonald's. So I'm cleaning her, you know, million dollar house here, her million dollar mansion, literally. And she's got a full-time maid, full-time butler. And uh, I'm there to buff the floors with a special buffing pad and clean the swimming pool and clean the garage. Loved cleaning the garage. In order to clean the garage, I had to pull out the Rolls Royce. And that means I sat in a car that was worth 10 lifetimes of my income as a janitor, right? So here I, and I, at home, I'd go home at night and I drive what's called a rolls canardly, which (laughs) rolls down one hill and can hardly make it up the next. So, so I'm driving my rolls canardly at night, but I'll tell you what, on Wednesday, I love sitting in their Rolls Royce. And here's the thing that was amazing to me, Trina. I thought up and it was wrong. It was totally erroneous, but then I don't even know where the thought came from, but I thought to be really, really super successful, you had to be sort of me too oriented, you know, and and always being willing to push people down and grab whatever you want. Mm. And I don't know where that came from, but I had that thought. Right. And June was so the opposite, Trina. It wasn't even funny how she was so approachable, so nice, in fact, if I was just to show you how approachable, if I was buffing the floor and I was looking down because I'm looking at the floor and she walked through the room, she would say hi to me first, even though I hadn't even looked up. I mean, just wow. really, really nice, approachable. And, you know, I mean, worth more zeros than I can count on my fingers and toes. And that was astonishing to me. I thought, man, what is it with this woman? I, you know, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, here I am, I'm buffing her floors in this million dollar house. And she's nothing like I thought successful people were. I mean, she's never condescending to any of the help around her, right? I mean, just the opposite, the opposite. And she doesn't have an alien. She's not like an alien. There's no like superpower I can see. I mean, what's the deal here? You know, because I'm intrigued because not only was, first of all, I blatantly wrong on my thought process, but how how did she do all this? You know, so one day and she always she knew who I was because they're every week, every Wednesday. Right. My name on one side, name of janitorial service on the other on my shirt. She knew who I was. So one day. She was in an extra good mood. I think, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk to June Martino, the icon. Because everyone at that point, 
you know, they already everyone in the area knew who June Martino was. You know, I mean, she was she was McDonald's. Everyone knew it, right? right. And the world headquarters right there. I could see it out the window. So wow. anyway, so I went up to her and I said, June, and she said, Yeah, she looked at me. I said, uh, I said, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. And I said, well, could you tell me about it? And she said, well, what's that? And I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. I'm not kidding, Trina. This was in the morning. She put her arm around me, walked me in the kitchen, and the entire day told me the entire story from where she worked for Ray when he was a milkshake mixer mis- uh, mixer salesman for Prince Castle before he met the McDonald's brothers because she worked for him then. And all the way through up until literally the minute we're sitting in the kitchen, everything in between, she had the maid and butler bringing us food so she could keep telling me the story. And I've got, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. I'm like this 16 year old snot nosed kid. And you know, I kept looking, is there anyone else she's saying this to? Cause why is she telling me all this stuff? Right. And then, uh, so she said one part, which by the way is in the movie. Of course it didn't happen the way it's portrayed in the movie, but the event did happen. And that was June kept the books for McDonald's. So she went to Ray one day and said, Ray, we're, we're out of money. We didn't have any money. That is mentioned in the, in the movie. And that leads to Michael Keaton calling the brothers, has an argument, says, I need more percentage on the franchise. He slams down the calls, right? Didn't happen that way, but the event certainly did. So she told me there was no money. And I agreed to keep working for Ray for no pay. And she said, and he agreed to pay me in worthless, worth less than zero company stock. And he would take some of the bill collectors called. If they called money, money, he'd take the phone call for me. So I wouldn't have to be hassled with that. So I just asked her, I said, June, why'd you do it? I said, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a janitor. I work Friday to Friday, paycheck to paycheck. If I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing on Saturday. I need <laughs> that check. I live week to week. Why did you work for nothing? Trina, I'm not kidding. She sat back in her chair did this eye lock on me and stared right at me and mentally left the room. I could tell she was gone, but she's staring right at me. And I'm dude, dude, and I'm looking around, you know, I mean, because she's not saying a word, staring, do it, staring me down, literally. And I could tell inadvertently, I had just asked her a question no one ever asked her before. Mm. Everyone always wanted to know what happened with McDonald's. What happened? Right. What happened? No one ever asked why. And I just asked her, why did she do it? Right. Mm-hmm. And then when she spoke, Trina, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I still remember what she said, the way she said it. And my first instantaneous thought after she said what she said, when I asked her, June, why'd you work for nothing? No pay and get stock that was worth less than zero. Why, why'd you do it? And when she spoke, she said, because I believed in Ray. And I remember it made the way she said it that she truly had never said those words before. And my first thought, Trina, that jumped in my head was, that's it. That's it. I need to find me a Ray Kroc. I need to find someone that can put me under their wing and teach me all the things I don't know because I don't even know what I don't know, Mm -hmm. let alone know what I should be asking. I just know I don't know it. That's what I know. I don't know whatever it is. And I'm watching June. I'm thinking, man, the only difference really the only thing I can think is she must be thinking something I'm not thinking mm-hmm. and she must be doing something I'm not doing or see, which is both of those. All right. I, and I, and I thought, that's it. I need to find someone to teach me. I need, because it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. I'm right. in her million dollar house. Right. And she bought homes for all three of her sons and they're all driving Ferraris and they're all living in this place called ginger Creek. And I clean those homes as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, amazed that people can live this way and not be jerks. Right. Right. And so I just, the next thing was as a mistake I made that I inadvertently did the right thing. I didn't. And when I say a mistake, I didn't know that I did the right thing. It just, just happened. Right. After that first thought jumped in my head, I need, I need my Ray Kroc. I need someone, someone to teach me. I didn't know mentor was, I didn't know how to spell it. I, probably spent all my hooked on phonics money on something else, you know? So anyway, so <laughs> see only people that would remember that commercial would know exactly the reference I just made of hooked on phonics. Right? But the, so I, my first thought, Trina was, where would I find my Ray Kroc? Where would he or she be? And I, and I remember just sort of pausing on that thought for a minute. Right. And then it wasn't 
maybe three, four months later, at that same janitorial service I was still working at, which was in Addison, Illinois, because you're, uh-huh. you know, from Chicago, so you're familiar. Yeah. That was another yeah. suburb, straight, yeah. straight down a place called Lake Street, right yep. down Lake Street, right? I worked for his janitorial service, and uh, and so we get this phone call. Phone rings. It's after. It's in the evening. I'm there talking to the owner, who was a friend of the family, and uh, you know, it was already after dinner, and I had already punched out, and we were just sort of chatting. The phone rings. Has a few minute conversation. He hangs up the phone. Well, that's some guy just called me from Detroit. He's opening a diamond store and uh, he needs to see some carpeting because they're doing a whole rebuild in this diamond store and and they want to redo it. And he's leaving on a plane tomorrow. So he's got to see it today or tonight because it was after dinner already. And he's okay. Uh, what's that got to do with me? Because well, I need you to go. I said, Jerry, the owner of the company. I said, I'm not going. I said, I've been cleaning all day long. I'm a janitor. I'm tired. I mean, I mean, I'm exhausted. I mean, I'm mentally and physically fatigued. He says, no, man, you got to go. You got to go and do this carpet job. I said, Jerry, you know, I can clean carpets. I can shampoo them. I don't know how to do an estimate. You got to make the grain of the carpet match up when you measure right and all that. Kind of, I don't know how to do all that stuff. I've never done it before. He said, well, I'll give you one of these measuring wheels. Walk that way. That way. I said, Jerry, I'm not going. He says the third time I've said no, by the way. Then he says, I'll tell you what, you got to go. If you go, I'll give you your choice of any Saturday off you want. Now, Trina, for a janitor, it's a big negotiation chip, right? We're working on Saturdays and business are closed. So morning to night, we're cleaning, right? Right. So I wanted to make sure he wasn't tricking me. So I repeated it back. And I said, any Saturday I went off? And he sighed and he said, yeah, any Saturday. I said, okay, Jerry, I'll go. So I open up the hatchback of my Rolls Canardly <laughs> and I'm throwing the carpet samples in the back of the car. And I, and now here to set the stage for your listeners, this is really important because here I am, I've said no three times already and I'm mentally exhausted. I'm about ready to do a measuring on a carpet job. I don't even know how to do so. I don't want to do that. And I'm going to meet a guy from Detroit. Seriously. I want to meet someone from Detroit. I'm a Chicago boy. You know, what do I need? Right. You know, you got to be kidding me, right? So you know how that works. Yeah, I know you know yeah. exactly those references. That's <laughs> I, I appreciate your laugh when I'm saying things because you know exactly what the, the, the 10 meanings of every reference, yes. right? So so, so here I am. I think, man, I don't want to do this. I don't get this guy. So I go, little do I know, I'm getting ready to meet my Ray Kroc. Wow. I'm getting to meet the man who will be the the father I never had, even though I had a father. And I'm getting ready to, and I'm and I'm going to be the son he never had, even though he had a son. And every, I've said no three times. I'm talking myself out of it to go. And this is the very thing I asked for. But it doesn't stop there. I keep saying no. So now I meet. First of all, when I meet him, it was really it was a little strange. Have you ever met someone, Trina, that you're so comfortable? It's it, you can't you don't explain it. You just know as soon as you meet them, you're so comfortable with them. It's almost like you met them before. Yep. Have you ever had that where mm-hmm. your comfort level is so high? You just think, man, I can talk to them about anything, you know. Right. And it was that it was that kind of thing. So we did. We talked about anything and everything for like two hours. The carpet sale was a no go because he wanted something real plush for a diamond store, and we just had commercial grade, you know, commercial grade mm-hmm. carpet for offices, that kind of thing. So I'm. So I'm throwing the samples back in my Rolls Canardly, you know, because that was that was going to be going on my way after a couple hours. And he offers me a job. And I said, no, I I said, no, I, I don't know anything about diamonds. He says, no, I'll teach you. That's the fourth time I've said no. And I said, and he said, no, I'll teach you. I said, man, I don't know. All I know about diamonds is two things. One, they're really expensive. Two, someday a lady's going to ask me for one. That's it. That's all I know about diamonds. And he said, I'm telling you, I could teach you. And I said, no, I'm all set. And then he said, and I'll never forget the next thing he said and the way he said it, because he was hooking me and he knew he would. I didn't know at that point that I really was talking to a real genius, a puritanical one, not the IQ baloney, you know, I don't believe in IQ thing. I've met a lot of educated idiots in my life. (laughs) All this information, it can spew back at you, but zero implementation execution skills. Can't don't know how to turn any of it into money. They just memorize the books, right? Met thousands of those in my lifetime. So I didn't know I was talking to a guy here that like could talk to you in like five minutes, ask you three questions, look you in the eye, and he had you pegged and knew exactly who I was and what I was doing, right? So he knew what he said when I was walk out the door was gonna grind me. So he said, 
as I said, no, at this point, I've said no five times, get ready to say it the sixth time. He said, what do you have to lose? You could mm-hmm. always go back being a janitor. And my final no was, no, people always make a mess. I can always clean it up. I have job security. And I walked out the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving home now and it's almost midnight. I mean, this whole thing happened in one night time, right? It's almost midnight. And I'm thinking, yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by you? Well, yeah, I guess I could always go back being a janitor. I mean, I can get a job anywhere. It's just cleaning up, right? I mean, no special skill ads. You know, what do you mean by the way he said, you know, and the more I'm thinking of it in my mind, I'm halfway home. It's almost midnight. And I said, that's it. I'm going to find out exactly what he meant. So I turned the car around and I'm thinking, well, he's going to be gone already. He's leaving in the morning back to Detroit. I get there. He's still there. And I said, okay, what do you have in mind? So we start talking. And then for the next four months, I got in the car at four in the morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, drove from Chicago to Detroit. I remember the mileage specifically was 301 miles, had a six hour meeting with him, got back in the car the same day and drove back to Chicago. I did that every single Friday, Saturday, if you will, you know, for four months in a row and never missed a weekend. Wow. Now, Why? because I knew he had what I wanted. Mm. I knew he was rich, you know, and I it was just coming out of his pores. I knew it. And he was happy. And I wanted to be rich and happy, mm-hmm. not realizing Trina, I even had that backwards because first we should be happy, happy. and yeah. then we should be rich. But at 16, I'm about the money, right? I mean, right. You give me the money, show me the money. Uh, you know, so then I worked for him for a few years and, you know, and, and we just got closer and closer. And I, you know, I, I realized what an amazing man and some of the stories that, you know, he told me about which I'm going to do another round of podcasts starting in the next two or three weeks, actually. And um, I'll be telling a story about one of the most amazing things about how this man earned a million dollars in the heart of the depression when people were jumping off of buildings and there were multi-mile soup lines, how he earned a million dollars in one year. He was okay, truly so a genius. You're, and so you're coming back to Trina talk and tell that story, right? I, I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to <laughs> if you want me to. I'm there, Trina. I'm there. I'd love to. So, so here I am, and I, and I share with your listeners, be careful, be aware of those tiny, little, insignificant moments in time that are so small. They're like, they're on the edge of a dime, seeming so insignificant, yet they will have this huge impact. First one. June Martino, who I, you know, went up to her shaking in my janitorial boots just to go talk to this lady and ask, and I expected a, 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 a paragraph answer, not a full day, you know, and, and everything, you know, the, the, and, and as I learned about all these things that happened, and then of course my mentor shortly thereafter. So I, I'm a huge advocate for mentorship because the things, the blessings that I had subsequent in my life, Trina, they were all because, not because of me, they weren't. I only had one superpower, Trina. I had the ability to do the following. This is the only one thing. There was only one. I, I've, I've, I've thought about this for so many hours and I can tell you, there's only one superpower I have. I have the ability to say, I don't know, mm. but I'd sure like to learn about that. Could you teach mm. me about that, please? That was it. You know, mm. That was it. That's the only thing. And, and so whenever I wanted to learn something, I went out and found, I looked for, I searched for the people who were the best at that, right? Mm. I, I, I was blessed to become a commercial pilot and fly my own planes. And I found a pilot who, after I was already a pilot, could teach me how to make every landing almost perfectly to the point that the passengers wouldn't even know they just landed. Wow. Now, he taught me what to do. You know, he, he would constantly talk in my in the headset while I was breathing. Don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this. And when he was no longer teaching me anymore after I was a commercial pilot, every landing, I still heard him in my head. I'm telling me, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. And he did like never stop talking the whole time the landing's happening. And sure enough, you'd hear those wheels go like I call they like tweak up. And and as they start to spool up and you just come in for this perfect smooth landing, he taught me how to do that. And I was already a pilot when he taught me, but because he taught me the difference, this was the little tiny difference. He became my mentor and becoming a commercial pilot. When I became an advanced scuba diver and search and rescue, I found someone who was in search and rescue and said, you know, I don't know about this. Could you please teach me about it? And I can share with your listeners. You'll be amazed at how fast your life can move in so many great directions 
when we simply go find the right people. And you know what's amazing? The people who are the best at what they do are the ones that they'll be the first ones to share with you. Yes. And they'll be the first ones to say, you know what? I'd, I'd like to, I'd, okay, I'll do that. I can, I believe that June knew when I asked her about, tell me about McDonald's. She knew I wasn't asking because I wanted to get close to June. Right. I knew that, I know she knew the way I asked her and what was there that she really knew I genuinely wanted to know what happened Mm -hmm. from an informational standpoint. And that's why she committed a whole day of her life to me virtually. Right. And so I share with your listeners as a big advocate for that. If you don't have a mentor in my world, Trina, we have a word for that. We call it naive. Mm -hmm. That's what we call it. Because, you know, when there's other people out there in the world that want to share for someone who genuinely, sincerely, Mm -hmm wants to know and learn, they they want to give it because yeah. they know someone gave it to them. I didn't make the stuff up. The people that taught me didn't make it up. They learned from someone else. And then maybe they fine-tuned here, fine-tuned there, but most of what they learned was from someone else. So I share with your listeners, be aware of those moments in time. You know, don't fly by him and all of a sudden think, you know, I could have said no a seventh time. Yeah. You know, I, and but I think you know, I, I, and I'm still amazed. I said no six times to the very thing, Trina, I was asking for my mentor. Wow. And, 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 and then he, he got me, he, you know, with that phrase when I was walking out the door. So I share with your listeners, get a mentor. If you don't start looking for one, they're out there. There's people that want to, and you, and you'd be surprised how the hyper successful people who you think would be so busy, who don't have the time. If you really are sincere, you watch them carve out the time. Mm-hmm. It'll be there. And uh, I can share with you in personal experience. Absolutely. That'll be that way every time. And uh, wow. so I, I, I share that with you because that's how, and then at 19 to finish off the story with my business mentor, his name was Sam Robbins. Um, at 19, I asked him the one last question, the biggie. I mm-hmm. said, Sam, will you teach me everything? I mean, I want to know it all. Don't hold back. Teach me everything. I don't, for all parts, personal life, everything. Teach me it all. And he said, okay, I will, but I want one thing from you. And I said, uh, okay. And I want you to know, by the way, whatever he said next, I'm totally in yes mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of it didn't matter what he said. I was, <laughs> I was totally saying yes to this next thing he said, right? So he said, this is what I want from you. When the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as possible everything that I teach you. So Trina at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath. I made a commitment that today is manifest as Givers University. Wow. You know what? I love this story. I had my hair standing up on the back of my neck because it's hard to find a mentor. And me coming from Chicago, being, you know, the little black girl from inner city Chicago, I never had a mentor, never knew what that was, never knew what that meant. And as I've gone through my career, my life, I've had a few people that I looked at and said, oh, you know, I, I like how they do this or how they do that and try to emulate it. But what I love most about your story is the June Martino story, because So often, and like you said, a lot of it was your assumption, but so often there are people who have made it, but they don't have time to share with you. You know, they have that, what I call scarcity mentality of, well, if I help them, they'll take what I have. But she was totally the opposite. And here's my question. Why did you ask her to answer you? Why did you ask June to be your mentor and learn from her? Why, why was it just, okay, tell me the story after the story. I was afraid really? I was talking to June. This is like, you know, I just, I, I was, just, I, there was no way I was getting that far into it. I was just, I was still trying to figure out who else she was talking to. Cause there's no way she just invested a day with this not no 16 years old. I figured I was pressing it as it was, you know, cause here I am a janitor, right? And I'm buffing her floors with this special buffing pad. And, you know, and, and, and so I gotta say, I mean, and like I said, I didn't even know a mentor was, it was, it wasn't until the whole conversation was over that right there, I realized I need to find whoever my Ray Kroc is, you know, mm-hmm. where would I find those? And I think that's the first thing with your listeners that I can share with them is, um, and, and 
and, and side note, I guess, uh, during the course of all this, I also was blessed and I had a, 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 a radio talk show. I was live for two years on radio and I interviewed over, over 1,000 millionaires in two years. And all of that information got filtered along with what my mentor, Sam, taught me. And then those became like the courses that are in Givers University called Give to Be Great. Mm-hmm. There's basically three courses and the, the, the cornerstone courses of the, the university, if you will. And I can share with you that all of these millionaires had commonalities. And I was looking for those. Trina, the questions I asked off the air was why I was really interested in all this. I mean, it was great to meet these people, but... I want to find what are those common threads? I mean, why these thousand men and women became millionaires and so many people don't earn a million dollars in their whole life. If you put all their income together in all their lifetimes, it's not at a million yet, even today. Right. right? So I thought, you know, why them and what's different? They all had some similar things that were very interesting. And one, and, and one of them had to do with something my business mentor asked me or mentioned to me. He said, don't worry about the answers. He said, you know, people live mm. backwards. He said, everyone wants to know what's the answer to this? What's the answer? He goes, yeah. forget the answers. The answers are omnipresent. They're all around us. They always have been. They always will be there. He said, focus on asking the right questions. And wow. inadvertently, Trina, when I threw that out there and I said, where's my mentor? Where would he be? Notice I didn't say, how come I never meet anyone like that? Right. See, because then what would happen is I would have found that answer. Right. The answer would have been, I would have kept not meeting anyone mm-hmm. like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that I went ahead in my own mind on this inexplicable, inexplicable assumption that there was, he, he or she was out there. Where are they? How would I find them? Where would they be? Mm-hmm. Just by asking those questions in that way. Sure enough, the answer started to manifest itself. And I can share with you that, you know, I don't believe when you just think something else and it just happens. I don't believe right. in that. I believe right. we have to do our part. You know, we've got our, mm-hmm. but, but our thought process can hit the ball out of the park, oh, but yeah. we still have to, we still have to hit the bases. We still have yeah. to run around the, you know, we got to do the bases and I can share with your listeners how important it is to be careful of the questions mm-hmm. that we ask ourselves right now, statistically, we have 18,250,000 separate, tiny little conversations with ourselves in our own mind every single year. Mm-hmm. 18,250,000, up to 35 per minute. Mm-hmm. 18,250,000 separate conversations in our head with ourselves every single year. No one can tell me that amount of conversations cannot have a huge impact on our life. Oh yeah. So we need to, when we learn how to control those conversations and, and choose what conversations we want to have with ourselves and to exercise that, it has a huge impact on things that happen around us. All of these thousand millionaires, one of the interesting things was they all had the same story that went like this. They all said there was a time in their life where everything said to stop. Mm. Their family said, throw in the towel. Significant others said, throw in the towel. The economy said it. There's no money in the economy. Businesses, there was no money in the bank. The, the, the reasons were all over the map, but they, they all had that time period where everything said stop. And you know, the amazing thing is they, they the next part they told me, now these are people from different agencies, uh, different agencies, I should say, uh, uh, industries, and, and different walks of life, different time periods. They didn't even know each other but almost you even used the same words. They said, many of them, you know, I took the next step when everything told me not to, to see if there was just anything else that could go wrong. I mean, wow. was, did I miss anything? You know, was, I mean, I couldn't have missed anything. I had, they said it was almost like a morbid fascination. You know, I, that I, there's no way I could have missed something going wrong. I had to hit them all. Is there anything else? And they all <laughs> said when they did that, which is almost a humorous anecdote in itself, right? But they said, when I, when, I, when I took that next step, they said, almost effortlessly, weirdly, they said, things started to come together on mm-hmm. their own, even in spite of mm-hmm. me. And they mm-hmm. said, uh, and, and they said it, it was weird. They said, I keep making mistakes, but things would, I could tell it was happening on its own in spite of what I was doing. And, and I think the, the lesson there is that there is that time 
where my business mentor taught me, he said, get rid of the F-bomb. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm thinking F-bomb, what are you talking about? Of course, you know, he's no, I mean, failure. Failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get rid, don't say the word, get it out of your vernacular. Don't mm-hmm. say, he said, so plant it with the words temporary defeat. He said, because that's what happens in success. He said, every adversity, and he drilled this in me over and over again. He said, every adversity in life, not some, not once in a while, everyone, every adversity in life carries with it the seeds of equal or greater benefits. He says, now, here's the part. We as leaders, we have to move those leaves aside and we've got to find those seeds because they are there. He said, and when we, when we realize and we see what the seeds are, then we realize that's the seed I needed. That was the thing we needed to get to the next level. And if we had not had the temporary defeat, we would not have had the chance to move outside the leaves. We would not have found those seeds, which were the seeds that would have avoided, eluded, and evaded us mm-hmm. until the temporary defeat hit us. And now here's the next part. This when I say this, Trina, at your listeners are going to say, I'm never moving to Chicago if that's the <laughs> way they think, right? This is going to bake some noodles. And by the way, I live in Michigan now. I mean, I, I moved here because of my business mentor. So in my first Detroit? 30 years. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, see a suburb of Detroit. And uh, so, yeah, amazingly enough, right? So the first 30 years of my life was uh, in Chicago and last 35 years here and you know, I'm, I'm coming up on the two thirds mark of my life, if you will. So the, uh, cause I'm going to hit triple digits. I know, you know, I, someone, I was just reading someone saying, uh, you know, do you get headaches? I said, no, but I know I give a lot of them. So that's kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm going to live long anyway. So here I am thinking to myself, what a great blessing it is to have met all these people in my life and, and, and to have learned that important part. And then the next part, which is even more critical than all of it, the bake your noodle part. When we really begin to understand and wisdom begins to supplant ignorant intelligence, when we begin to get that wisdom, we begin to understand the role the temporary defeat, not failure, but temporary defeat plays in our lives. And when we really begin to truly understand it from a level of wisdom, we begin to embrace and welcome temporary defeat. And everyone says, well, you're crazy. Why would you ever want to welcome a defeat? I said, because I know the seeds are there. Mm-hmm. And the seeds are what I needed. It wasn't a temporary defeat. That was the vehicle that got me there. So, and, and my mentor said, what, the faster you can move aside those leaves, and the faster you can find those seeds, he said, you'll start running up the stairs of prosperity when other people are landlocked or never even make it to the first step. Because they're all saying, What's everyone going to say about me? What's everyone going to think? What if I don't make it? What if I fail? And they're all coming from this place of fear. And he said, you you don't need to come from that place of fear because you recognize the temporary defeat for what it is. It's the blessing of the seeds. They're there. Find them and you're going to realize that's what you need and get ready for the next one and welcome it when it comes your way. And then run up those stairs past everyone else when they're all saying, where in the world did he or she come from? So all of those thousand millionaires all had that time where they took those extra steps. They, 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 they looked for those seeds and found them and they can attribute their wealth to that, to the fact that they just never, ever gave up. And, and, and all of these things, these great blessings I've had, I can, I'm so blessed to be able to share these things with other people and, and hopefully give some people some purpose for pause and just think, you know what, you know, when, when do I want to end the pain, you know, of every day doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And uh, yeah. And, and, and when do I want to really, I mean, if he or she can do it, right. There's really only two things different. Mm -hmm. They're thinking something I'm not thinking, or they're doing something I'm not doing. That's it. Period, period, period. There's nothing else. So I want to find out what they're thinking and I want to find out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. and find out how I can apply that in my life. And there's no aspect of life that that does not work in. Yeah, I love it. I love it because you're speaking my language. It's funny because me being a spiritual person uh, and just like you said, and just doing business and what I've been doing and everything is I've hit a couple of bumps and I'm like, you know, something great is coming. So I'm going to keep going. Something great is coming. This is here to teach me a lesson. And that's where I think a lot of people 
like you said, they use that F bomb and they stop. But, you know, it's like, yeah. And I'm, and as I've gotten older, I've learned, okay, this adversity is here to teach me something because there's something better coming. And I needed to learn this lesson before that blessing comes in. So it's very, uh, very amazing to think like that because half of, like you said, half of what we are and can accomplish is what's going on in our mind. It's the story that we keep telling ourselves over and over and over again. Um, And it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, you were talking, as you were talking earlier about, you weren't afraid to ask and to say, you don't know. And when you actually genuinely did that, people came to you, you know, and, and helped you out. And I remember reading an article, I believe it was um, Emmett Smith of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think he went to Michael Jordan and once he retired and was asking him business information. And like you, he said, Michael Jordan, like met with him and took like a whole day to like teach him some things. And he said, he asked Michael, he said, well, wow, I never knew all of this. You know, why don't you, why don't you teach this? You know, whatever. And Michael Jordan said, if anybody wants to know this, all they have to do is come to me and ask. No one's ever asked me. You asked me, so I took this time out to tell you these things. And it just is amazing because you think, wow, you you know, you think Michael Jordan, you could get a lesson from Michael Jordan if you just ask. And that's basically what he was saying. He was like, you know, no other people, you know, athletes, whatever, have come to me and asked me this, these things. You ask, so I'm taking this time. That's yeah. a great thing. It really is. And, uh, and, and I, and I think that's about, and I love, by the way, I always say, I don't necessarily follow basketball, but I certainly know who Michael Jordan is <laughs> to the point that I use him as a constant reference. Cause like, if I was talking about hide and go seek and someone mm-hmm. was the best at hide and go seek, I would say they're the Michael Jordan of hide and go seek. Right. You know? <laughs> you know? That's right. And we're from you know? Chicago. We have <laughs> right. to say Michael Jordan, yeah. right? Yeah. It's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan is like the ultimate. He's like, like they said, he's the goat. And being from Chicago is like, I don't yeah, care yeah. who comes along. There'll never be a Michael Jordan on that. That's level. right. That's <laughs> the truth. That is the truth. Very good. Well, and, and uh, I'd like that if I can sort of share with your listeners a little bit about how this salt got crafted into Givers University, if I may, and, mm-hmm. and what we teach, because we teach something um, I've done, well, let's see, 110 podcast interviews since April. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I can share with you that no person has said they've heard this being taught anywhere else ever at any point, even through that. And even with feedback I've gotten from and comments and from listeners and stuff. And, and, and what we teach at Givers University, first I say to all your listeners, emphatically, I say it, we love everybody. I say it again, we love everybody. And we teach something not being taught anywhere else. We teach people how to discern in their relationships. Meaning we teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And we teach people by actually teaching, it's a skill. We teach them a discernment skill, how to discern in their relationships by virtue of a very granular approach where we actually teach the deeds. Watch when people do these things here, not what they're saying, Mm-hmm. Watch what they're doing. When you see them doing these certain things, you may want to discern, bring them closer into your life mm-hmm. because givers bring with them the three W's of givers, which is wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Mm-hmm. By contrast, if you see them doing these other deeds here, these actual deeds, you may want to now discern and begin to respectfully distance yourself, not rude or nasty mm-hmm. or insensitive respectfully begin to distance yourself because takers bring with them the three D's of takers, defeatism, disruption, and destruction. And when you Mm -hmm. pull them into your life closer, they're bringing that with them and you're about ready to become collateral damage. What they just brought with them. Right? So I ask your listeners, think about this for a minute and just ponder for a half a second. Think about all the fires you stomp out each day. Think about when your stress level goes through the roof. Think about when you have a conversation with someone at the end of the conversation, you don't even remember what you talked about anymore, but you do know one thing, you have no energy left. They just took it all from you, right? Oh yeah. All three of those things, they all have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. There's a name attached to them and no one's teaching discernment on mm. who should you have close in your life and who shouldn't you. 
I'm a self-improvement guy. I love self-improvement. I'm mm-hmm. positive you are. I'm thousand percent mm-hmm. positive, right? But no one's teaching us. What about the other guy? What if he's doing it wrong? What should I do about that? Right. And it's like, it was humorous because a couple of interviews back, a guy goes, man, this is great stuff. I love this. He said, you know, I just read this book and it said, I should have five, five good people around me. And I said, you're right. You should. One question. Which five? Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's staring at me with this blank eyes. You see my point? I said, what they're saying is accurate. I said, but at Givers University, we don't do the broad innocuous references and swaths where at the end of it, you go, oh, that sounded so good, but uh, how do I apply that in my life? You know, <laughs> we, we've broken it actually down so granular where you can no longer say, how do I do it? There it is. By virtue of actual checklists, here's checklists and look at these check, print them off. They're free. We make them available for free for people. Put it in your pocket and use it as a part of your discerning and learn the skills and relationships so that you begin to eventually have your own giver community around you of the people that are not going to bring with them a fire you have to stomp out. They're not going to cause your stress level. In fact, they'll cause your stress level to go down and they will give you energy because you're giving them energy back. But no one's teaching us how do we discern in our relationships. So we do that through Give to Be Great. First course called The Giver's Mindset. Second's called The Giver's Lifestyle. Third's called The Giver's Lifelong Learning. And these courses basically are the condensation of the thousand interviews I did with millionaires and all the trainings from my mentor. So that because we realized the time was right. I think the time is right that people aren't teaching discernment today, you know, Um, and and I, I don't agree with welcoming someone in my life when they're doing it wrong. Right. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I don't need to welcome them into my life, you know, and, and to be respectfully distance is distant is okay. You know, right. and, 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 and they should be doing the same thing too. That's okay. So we teach discernment because it's a skill. It's mm-hmm. a skill set that can be taught. So yes. uh, we, you know, we ask people, they just go to our news. They go to our website, giversuniversity.com. It's plural giversuniversity.com. Sign up for our newsletter. It's absolutely free. We're not spammers. You'll get something in email that says, do you want to you know, communicate these people? And then within, when they say yes, within minutes, they're going to get their first free download from us right away. And that's called the title of it. It's a great one. It's called the six arrows that takers shoot at givers. Mm. And I want to mention, by the way, when we use the term giver, we're not identifying people because we don't label people. Mm-hmm. We're labeling their deeds, their giver mm. deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling the person as a taker. We love everybody. We're labeling their deeds as taker deeds. And those are the things we're going to have to live with, the things that they do, right? That when we pull in close. So the the six arrows that giver, that takers shoot at givers, it's a great checklist. We want people to print it off. It's free. Put it in your pocket. Start using it. A um, couple of days later, they're going to get another one that's called the 25 do's. Probably my favorite checklist. It actually lists on two pages, the 25 deeds to be watching for, to help in our discernment on whether we want to bring them closer in our life or whether we should begin respectfully distancing them now, or if they're in our life already, what should we begin doing to little by little supplant them over time with a person that we want to have closer into our life as a direct result. And then once a week, you know, once a week, every Thursday, we send out a newsletter. It's a short and sweet one. It's called the giver's toolbox. And every week we give to everyone that's on our newsletter list, a brand new tool, a brand new relationship tool that they can put in the relationship toolbox every single week. And it's short. It's not real lengthy. There's no, it's not pitchy in any way or anything. We're investing in them because we walk our talk and we're Givers University. So we want to do that. And over the course of time, people learn about us, but I hate when I sign up for things and next thing you know, I'm getting 10 emails a day from them. Mm-hmm. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, yep. unsubscribe. <laughs> you know, I just, I mean, why'd you do that to me for? You just hit me, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we really, we, we give them value every single Thursday, you know, that uh, through the course of, uh, you know, the giver's toolbox, which we love to be able to share with them. So it's, it's just such an awesome thing. and such an awesome opportunity to be able to share with them. And uh, my next round of podcasts, I really look forward to because we're going to give the distinction between takers communities and giver communities Mm. and how many people have signed up for something that they thought was a community, but it's really nothing more than a customer hit list. Mm -hmm. 
and how many of those are you join my community so you know so i can solicit you and those aren't communities you know right and uh, and and so we, we i've got some really fun stories that my business mentor shared with me and the difference of what is what how do you build a real giver community and what are they by definition mm-hmm. so different than anything you're seeing out there today and i look forward to being able to share that uh starting probably next month that next round of podcasts will happen so it's going to be yeah. very fun to be able to share the information well, we're going to have to get you back on a Trina talk because I want, I want to, to hear that. And I've, you know, I've enjoyed this conversation. I've learned so much and we're going to talk post-show, but this is, is so, this is so great. Um, I, and this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast, because I like hearing these kind of stories. And I tell everyone who come on this show that this is not only for you to toot your horn, but, you know, give something, tell about your successes and your failures, because, they, everyone goes through failures, you know, you're not on the mountain all the time. Um, and that's what I like. And that's the value that I like to give to my listeners. And I know a lot of people, like you said, it's always a pitch and it's always the sales. Oh, you know, I've had people like, oh, well, you need to do the podcast on this, this, and this. And I was like, no, I like my podcast the way it is because it hits everyone. It's not like, oh, if you're only in tech, you listen to this or you're this, it hits everyone. And everyone needs stories like this because whether you are a janitor or you're the person on the mountaintop, I think you learned something from, from today's episode. So thank you, EA. It's just been great. Um, you. But I'm going to hit you with my questions real quick. We're going to see right, how, I'm ready. I'm sitting. how quick you can go through them. Okay. Who or what motivates you? Um, I read the Bible every day. Uh, and every year I read the Bible cover to cover. Mm. every single year. And it's surprisingly easy. People don't realize, you know, it's basically three chapters in the Old Testament and 20 verses in the New Testament. And if you do that every day in 15 minutes, literally from, you can read the whole Bible cover to cover. And I've done that every year for, I don't even know how many years now. And that really genuinely is what motivates me. What demotivates you? Uh, I would have to say, I got a big zero on that one. There's no nothing I, because I don't allow something to demotivate me. If, if something demotivated me, that means I gave it my freedom of choice and my freedom Mm. to think my own thoughts. So nothing demotivates me. I can demotivate me if I wanted to, which I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just getting into my stride now at 65. I'm just, it's about time. So nothing, nothing demotivates me. Okay. I've never heard that answer before. Um, when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Boy, almost every time. Cause you know, the thing, when, when people say things that aren't really necessarily nice, uh, one of the things they are doing is they're telling us the things we need to work on. And a lot of times they're right. <laughs> so, you know, I just don't take it to heart. It's how I use that information. Right. But I, I can share with you that I had three huge, I call them my huge biggest temporary defeats in my life. And each one of those caused me to write one of the give to be great books, uh, you know, so that my butt wasn't in that place again. Mm-hmm. So, every, so I had three major temporary defeats brought on by business associates unexpected. Cause I hadn't learned all the, de- I, my skill wasn't where it needed to be on discernment yet. I didn't know some of the other things to look, look for. So my response to that was I, uh, wrote a book and wrote a course to teach myself how to not be in that place again. Wow. What is your fear? I only have one fear and that's of God. I fear no man. I fear no law. I fear anyone else. That's it. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes. Um, and it, and it comes, it becomes a little complicated in that. I also recognize in that at the same time, by not, by not doing what I needed to, the seed arrived that I needed mm. the, the, you know, the, the seeds of temporary defeat that were hidden. So it wasn't bad even at the time, but I thought, yeah, I should, that would have, would not have been a bad idea to make a different decision or look about that same way. And I can tell you with my three major defeats, it, I would have been much wiser to have uh, been more discerning in, in those relationships and where literally millions were coming into my life and millions were leaving, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just, I mean, huge numbers in and out and, and, uh, you know, ebbing and tiding, like there's no tomorrow and, and all of that because uh, I could have been more discerning. And at the same time, I know that it caused me to write courses that will now impact many other lives. So how can that be a thing that was that bad? Mm. 
Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Yeah. Yeah, there was. I, I stopped reading the Bible for a time. Mm. And uh, and I did. It was, you know, a couple decades ago. And I don't know why I just stopped, you know, and uh, and and I got motivated to pick it up again and, you know, and, and realized that, you know, God, you know, he never leaves me. I left him mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and for a short time. And I had to learn and become the uh, prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the reason that story is in there is because we all become that prodigal son yeah. at some time or another. There's no, no escaping that one. That one's happening. Right. right? And you're, you're looking at one of them right here. <laughs> <laughs> what is your definition of success? Well, my definition of success really has to do with the fact that number one, it's a journey. It's not a destination. And, and I would share with you the three things that my business mentor shared with me, which is, which has helped me on that journey. And these three things he talked me into saying so many years ago, and I've said it every day since then. And these three things are as follows. And I, and I pray that your listeners adopt these and use them in their life too, on a regular basis to say these things. And they are. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Love it. How do you recharge? I do. Uh, I, I'm a 10 minute nap guy. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I can do, you know, if I, if, if creatively I feel, you know, the, the, the electrical charges are, you know, the rate of vibration is at a high level. I may take two or three, just 10 minute, close my eyes, lay down, rest my eyes. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm not sleeping, sleeping, you know, mm-hmm. but just in, in a, a 10 minute recharge, you know, is it, so there's some days if I'm being like, if I'm in extra creative mode and I, I can feel the brain is really vibrating fast and all the cells are going, I may deliberately do two or three 10 minute naps during the day, just 10 minutes, not, you know, go away for an hour and a half or two hours mm-hmm. just, to, and then that's enough. And for me, that just recharges, resets my mind and I go forward. What are you awesome at? Being just dumb enough to listen to people that are doing it right. Mm-hmm. Love it. What legacy do you want to leave? Givers University. EA, give the listeners, tell them one more time how they can connect with you, how they can, you know, take part in Givers University, everything. Just go to the website, Givers, it's plural, GiversUniversity.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's on every page. Simple, putting your first name and your email address. It's absolutely free. And through the course of that, they will learn who we are. And, you know, we, we invest in relationships. I, th- I think that's so important today. You know, everyone goes at it, you know, thinking about what's in it for them. And, and I can share with you over the years, I've been blessed by compelling people to do business with me because I invested in them so heavily it, it reached a point where it became like a moral obligation, <laughs> they, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like this, and, and you made an interesting reference. I want to digress for a minute. Cause I, I wanted to cover that. You, I, you made a reference that I love where you said something about like a person they're afraid to give to other people because someone will take, take all their stuff, yeah, right? Scarcity. I, yes. Yeah. Scarcity. And, and, and I, and I wanted to mention that cause I thought oh, that's so great that, that to be able to recognize that that exists. And this one lady, I, you know, I was on this, in this event as a speaker, and so some of the speakers were together and this lady says, well, you know what? She says, uh, I don't like to give away all my stuff because they're just going to take it. And I have to share with you, I bit my tongue because it was the inappropriate time. <laughs> but if it would have just been her and I, uh-huh. as opposed to other people around us, I would have said, if you're worried about them taking your stuff, you need don't. more stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't yes. have enough stuff. If they're going to be able to take it that fast from you, you don't have enough. You need to do some serious growth there. You should have so much stuff that they could never, ever drain it all away because yes. there's always more there that you can give. And as a final thought, I'd just like to share with your listeners because it is really important. My business mentor shared the following with me again. And he said the following, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you. Expect it. But he said, here's the part no one ever gets that no one ever teaches them the second half of that sentence. So the first half is when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you. But when they take advantage of you, you're never diminished. They are. Ooh. Ooh. He said, so when you're a giver, 
don't be afraid to be a giver. And he said, they will take advantage of you. Expect it, expect it to happen. But when they do, they're not taking advantage of you. They are being themselves are taking advantage of. They're going to lose the relationship. They're going to lose you. So remember that they are the one that did this and that they are taking advantage of themselves when they do that. And the, and the final thought I'm just going to share with everyone because it ties in right with that. My business mentor said, picture this huge scale in life. And on one side of the scale, all the things you can give. Mm-hmm. He said, and the other side of the scale, all the things you're going to receive. He said, here's the secret. It's so simple. He says, it's not easy, but it's simple. He said, this scale is never out of balance. It strives for balance all the time. He said, so here's your lifelong job. I'm giving you your job. And he told me, he said, I'm giving you your job right now. Your whole life. Your job is to heave as much onto that giving side of the scale that you can do your best, your humanly best possible to get that scale out of balance because you've heaved up so much yeah. on that side. And he said, and since the scale, always strives for balance. What do you think will happen on the receiving end? Mm. He said, you will never have to worry about the money. Right. There's the key right there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thank you for being on this show. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know the listeners have as well. And we're going to talk about coming back in the future here shortly to uh, talk about your other stories. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I want to thank my guests for being on the show and I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to tune in next week.